just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed that could buy eternal life for you and me. a good song. What a tremendous message, amen? Good message. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 tonight. <clears throat> I know we have a kind of a fellowship scheduled afterwards and there's all kind of food getting brought in and when it's gone, it's gone. And <clears throat> so you better get in line and <clears throat> enjoy it while you can. There was some food getting brought in earlier. I'll tell you what, I was that close to eating right before I preached. <laughs> I mean, I was that close. I mean, I almost did. I almost broke my rule, but that's all right. You say, what rule is that? Well, I don't know. I guess it's not a rule. I just don't eat before I preach usually, <clears throat> at least not right before. I'll be coughing all day. Now, I feel like I'm going to start coughing here now. I took one of these little mints I get, and certain folks take care of me like that, and <clears throat> I had one of those mints, and uh, it usually helps a little bit. We'll see. I've been doing really good with my voice, obviously, compared to what it was a year ago or so. I don't know really why, other than that the Lord's taking care of me, and uh, that's good. And um, I've tried to change a few things around to try to help accommodate that. 
and it seems to be helping. But nonetheless, <clears throat> it's been doing well. But tonight, it feels a little bit, I don't know, a little bit there. So you just pray for me as we move along tonight. I think we'll be fine, though. Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13 tonight. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to start and we're going to read through verse 19. The Bible says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. They came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James. And he surnamed them Bonerges, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. They went into an house. As we look through this passage, we note that the Lord Jesus Christ called to himself certain men. And each of them had a different story. Each of them was... Unique. Every one of them was an individual. It's interesting to note that God doesn't just cut his servants out of a mold. We're all different. We're all unique. We're all special in our own way. We all have individual abilities and talents and personalities, and that's fine. And we're all look a little bit different, act a little bit different, think a little bit different to some degree when it comes to just how our mind works. And that's all right. Diversity is okay with God. He's not upset with that. There are some things that he wants us to be like-minded concerning, and certain areas he wants us to be going in the same direction without a doubt, but I'm glad that he didn't create my wife to look like me. And I'm glad that I had, there's uniqueness there, and there's a difference there, and there's an attitude difference, even in a perspective that's different, and that's okay. That's all right. Matter of fact, God made us different so we can complement one another. And uh, that's a good thing. And each one of these men was very different. Each one was saved uh, in a sense. Each one was sanctified. Each one was serving in their own way. They were, they were saved and sanctified, serving at least as far as it appears in the, the passage. He had chosen them out from among them. <clears throat> in that regard, he had separated them unto himself. He, they were involved in the work of the ministry, going out preaching and teaching. And I look at this sometimes in... If we're not careful, we we look at the passage and we think to ourselves, boy, man, I wish I had the power to heal sicknesses. I wish I could cast out devils like that. Boy, I wish I could do all those things. And you know, that's fine, but I want you to think with me for just a moment the responsibility that would come with that. I mean, think about how much time you would have to yourself if you could heal sicknesses and diseases. I don't think you'd get a moment's rest. You'd be like the Lord and like these men. I don't think we can even fathom how much they worked and how busy they were. But they had great power from God and they were individuals and they were unique and special in their own right. And each of them was afforded the exact same opportunity to fellowship, to rejoice with, to enjoy the Savior, Jesus Christ. The real question is this, though. What would they do with the Lord? What would they do with the Lord? 
if we would take the time to read on, and the Bible gives us an idea of some things. We can't see all of it right here in our passage, but we, we can, from our experience and prior studies and reading, we know that 11 of them <clears throat> went on to do something for God. 11 of them went on to maintain a relationship with the Lord. 11 of them continued in the work of God while one of them, one of them betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, I just want to ask the question, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? I mean, we all have to decide for ourselves. What will you do with Jesus tonight? And through the course of the message, I'm just going to give you a couple things we can do with him. And uh, <clears throat> I'm sure there are others that we could add. But tonight, I just want to take a few moments tonight as we are limited on time. And I certainly want to get to things because all I can think about is that food I saw earlier. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll move along tonight. Father, we come to you. We thank you once again for the great privilege we have to gather here tonight. Lord, as we think about those disciples that you called out from among the world, that you separated unto yourself, that you had serving you, and we think about our lives and how you saved us and you sanctified us and you called us unto service as well. And Lord, they had a decision to make, a choice to make. What would they do with you? But Lord, we need to make that same decision. We note that one of them made the wrong choice. But thank God there were 11 that didn't, that chose the right direction and followed you and ultimately served you well into their years. <clears throat> Tonight, Lord, we're asking you to meet with us and help us to ponder that question as I bring to light options, things that we can do with you. Father, help us to choose the right ones. Lord, to honor you with our life and our lips. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, we start asking the question, what will you do with Jesus? Well, there's a couple things you can do. Let me give you a couple of them. Number one, you can take him for granted. You can take him for granted. You know, my parents, <clears throat> they stopped buying us bikes when we were about 10. Uh, they... <clears throat> They told us early on, around 9 or 10, they said, this is the last bike you're ever going to get from us. Um, <clears throat> from now on, you've got to buy your own bikes. And uh, my dad, he had a philosophy uh, that you would respect what you purchased and what you invested in and what cost you something more than if it were given to you. I'm not so sure that we view things quite like that today, but I do think he was on to something because... <clears throat> As I would watch my friends through the years, many of them would fly up off their bike, jump off of it, and let it fly on the ground or lay on the ground, while mine always ended up on a kickstand. And uh, so I began to work and save money. My brother and I got a little uh, kind of a paper route. It wasn't really a paper route every day, but it was one of those deals where once a week you delivered papers, and, and we made $3 a week each. And so we we deliver like four or five hundred papers, and we made three bucks a piece, and, and we saved our money for weeks and weeks and weeks, putting it away and putting it aside. I remember when the day came, we started realizing we're getting closer to what we can, we, we can afford a bike. And we wanted one of those 10 speeds. In those days, 10 speeds had come out, and they were the popular thing, and they were pretty cool. And, and there was a bike shop, actually, right there at the corner of Crum, it's Crumroy or Killian, I think it was. And... Uh, <clears throat> and um, 
Arlington Street, and it sat right there, kind of where the <clears throat> Crown Shoes is now, and, and uh, right in that area where the bank is, right in that area. And I remember going into that, that place, and we looked around. We saw these bikes. They were $59 a piece. And uh, they were, you know, you had to pay, in those days, it was only $4 in taxes. It ended up being 63 bucks. And I remember we, we had saved and saved and saved, and we had the money, cash money, cash money. We didn't go into debt. <clears throat> we went and bought those, those bikes. And I remember coming out of there a proud owner of a new red 10-speed. They, they didn't have any 26 inches. All they had were 27 inches. And I was about 11 years old. And so when I stood up, I had to put my leg up on the bike, the, the rail, you know, like that, because I couldn't reach the pedals hardly. But it was all mine. And I remember my brother and I, uh, my, my, my dad said, well, we don't have room in the car to take them home. And he said, I guess you're going to have to ride them home. So we rode our bikes home all the way from up there on Arlington Street all the way down here in Dallas. My mom was having a heart attack, <clears throat> but we rode our bikes home. Boy, that was a, a bike ride and a half. That was a long ride, but buddy, I tell you what, we were flying on cloud nine, and we had just bought our first bikes, and boy, it was amazing. Let me tell you, like I said, that bike wouldn't hit the ground. That bike, that kickstand was always used, and if it wasn't working properly, I was working on it because I didn't want that bike on the ground. I spent good money on that bike. It was valuable to me, and therefore, I wouldn't take that bike for granted. It's important that we realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is of great value. And we can't take him for granted. Even as I was well aware of the value of that bike, as believers, we need to be very aware of the value of Jesus Christ in our life and never, ever take him for granted. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's how you keep from taking him for granted. We have to love him with everything we got, our entire being. <clears throat> you could take him for granted. Or possibly, number two, what will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you could hide him. You could hide him. You know, <clears throat> you normally only hide things that you're trying to keep safe. Or that you're embarrassed about or embarrassed of. Now, <clears throat> obviously, we don't have to keep God safe, do we? He's quite capable of protecting himself. So I never have to protect the Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't have to hide him to keep him safe. I don't have to worry about how society views him or how our culture demeans him. No, he's quite capable of providing and protecting for himself. So that's not going to be the reason I would hide the Lord Jesus. I suppose if I was going to hide the Lord Jesus, it's probably because I'm embarrassed of him. Some years back, before skin grafts were very common and before that it was normal to take skin and, you know, fix problems like that, you know, there was a, a little girl whose mama had had her hand scarred. <clears throat> Excuse me, growing up, the little girl had a lot of problems with her mama's hands. And every time, you know, anybody saw her mother's scarred hands, she just 
cringed. And as she grew older into the teen years, she begged her mama, please, mama, always wear gloves. Please wear gloves around my friends and around anybody when I'm out with you. I'm so, I just, those hands, they embarrassed me. And it was very obvious to her mother that she was embarrassed by her hands. And it was very obvious to others that the teenage girl was embarrassed by her, <clears throat> her hands. And as she grew older into young adulthood, she found herself still embarrassed, always embarrassed of her mother's hands. <coughs> In those days also, they weren't quite medically as advanced in certain areas, and her mother came down with pneumonia. And as a result of that, she ended up dying. And there at the funeral, and her mother lay in a casket there. There she lay with those gloves on because everyone got used to seeing her in those gloves. And her aunt began to tell her story, pulled her aside and told her a story, and it went something like this. Years ago, when you were just a child, you and your parents had a fireplace. You got to playing around, and you fell into the fireplace, and your mother reached down as fast as she could without any regard to herself and pulled you out and put the fire out off of your clothing, and in the process, her hands were marred and burned. And that girl at that point, mother laying there in that casket, couldn't believe what she was hearing for the first time in her life. Her mother had never told that story. No one had ever told her what had happened to her mother's hands. And there she began to weep as she realized the sacrifice that her mother made to save her life, protect her from harm. And she went to that casket and there she wept. She pulled those gloves off of the hands of her mother for the first time. And for the first time in her life, she was no longer embarrassed of those hands, but instead was grateful for the sacrifice her mother had made on her behalf. When we think about the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made on our behalf, when we consider the suffering and the pain and the agony that He endured on Calvary on our behalf, as we think about the man, mankind, the very ones He created, placing Him on that cross, driving those nails in His hands, placing that crown of thorns upon His head, it ought to drive us to a place where we say, listen, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He did it all for me. One day we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll behold our Savior. And He will grasp, <clears throat> will grasp the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ and we'll say, these scars were for me. Man. If we're not careful, though, we'll hide Him. We'll hide Him. What will you do with Jesus? Take him for granted? Hide him? <clears throat> Could it be possible we might even lose him? When Sherry and I got married, we had, um, we exchanged rings, like most couples do. I still remember the preacher holding that ring up, you know, and talking about this you know, never-ending circle, and, and we, I still do the same thing. <clears throat> and um, we each had a ring, and I had this ring right here. As you can see, it's not coming off too easily. But I had this ring right here. <clears throat> and 27 years ago, this past week, I put that on my finger for the first time. And my ring at that time was a lot bigger on my finger than it is now. 
And um, I, I liked it that way because, honestly, I'd never really wore any jewelry or rings of any kind, and it just felt awkward. I didn't like something on my fingers. My dad never wore his wedding ring. He worked in at Goodyear, and he worked in a, a, the rubber plant there and did a lot of jobs that were kind of dangerous. And if you got a ring caught on a piece of machinery, it could pull your hand in and all kind of things like that. So he just never wore his ring, and my mom never had a problem with that, never bothered her a bit. But... I, I decided I'm going to wear my ring. So I bought, uh, when the, we got the ring, it was bigger. And so it fit loosely, and that was nice for me. And I didn't fight, quite feel so restricted by it. Well, when we went away on our honeymoon, we ended up <clears throat> in the ocean. And uh, all of a sudden, while we were there in the ocean, a wave came along. And next thing I know, my ring was gone. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to find anything in the murky waters of the ocean? I mean, it's dark, at least in, uh, and we're not talking about down in the Bahamas or something, you know. We're talking about on the East Coast over there. And, uh, boy, when that wave came along and it just kind of swept away, and my, I went, oh, no, I raised my hand. My ring was gone. And without even thinking, in a, just a moment of panic almost, I swiped my hand through the water. And in my hand came that ring. There it was, right in my hand. Man, I was like, whoo. I put my ring back on my finger. I looked at it and was, wow, almost lost this baby. Put it back on. And I realized I, I didn't open my hand all the way ever again in the ocean. I kept it partly closed all the time. Almost made a fist, really, the whole time I was in the ocean. Because it just would slide off. It was that loose at that time. As you can tell, I've gained a little weight. <clears throat> and ever since that day, it's been on my finger. You know, I never have to worry about losing my ring as long as I keep it close to me, as long as I keep it on me. I have to worry about that. That was a freak kind of situation, you know, it's slipping off my finger like that. But through the years, I've never worried about losing my ring because there it is all the time. I keep it with me. I keep it close to me. You know, we generally lose things that we set aside. We lose things that we put away or that we neglect or fail to use regularly. Those are the things we are prone to losing. The Bible says in Psalm 91, 15, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Well, we need to always be calling upon him. We need to always keep the Lord Jesus Christ close. We always need to keep Him on us, always. Every day we wake up, we need to invite Christ to walk with us, so to speak, or we to walk with Him in reality, to stay close to Him, keep Him in proximity, not allow Him to get away from us. Because the moment He gets away from us, we could lose Him. The moment we set Him aside for a moment, we could lose Him. And someone says, how can you lose God? He's just too big. It happens all the time. We remove him, we set him aside, we put him away, we fail to use him regularly, and then all of a sudden we look up one day and go, where's he at? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place in your life when tragedy struck or difficult time came your way and you realized for the first time, like Samson did, he wist not that the Lord had departed? Have you ever been there? And you go, Wow. I need to get a hold of God, and I don't even know if he's there listening. 
Someone says, well, I know he's there because the Bible says he's there. Doesn't matter how I live. Doesn't matter what I do. Well, I can tell you he ain't with you now. You got that attitude. You think you can live how you want and do what you want without regard to God? Let me tell you something. You're further away from him than you realize. What David say in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I think David got to a place where he had forgotten about God and lost him. And then he realized, wow, I'm a mess. As Nathan said to him, thou art the man. You might lose him. But you know what? Those are just kind of negative things, aren't they? That's kind of critical. I mean, to think about taking him for granted or hiding him or losing him. Who wants to think like that? I'll tell you what. There's a couple more things. Just two more things very quickly. What you can do with the Lord. What will you do with him? How about show him off? Show him off. That's a good thing to do with the Lord. You know, years ago they had these things called mopeds. Now, they still have them, I suppose, but... In the day, whenever I was growing up, and I was just a young boy, I was probably 12 years old, 11, 12, 13, it wasn't long after I'd just gotten my bike, I think, it was right around that time, my uncle had bought a moped. I don't know what my uncle had a moped for, maybe he lost his license, I don't know, maybe he crashed his car, who knows, but he had this moped, and it was a nice moped, it wasn't one of those, and in the day, when you had a moped, you know, they had these little engines set on the front of the tire, and it would spin, and it would cause the front wheel to spin, and that's how it worked. Not this one, no way. This one looked kind of like a motorcycle. It was cool. It was awesome. And I remember us getting the opportunity one summer to use it all summer long. We were so worried he was going to take it from us at any moment. First, it was supposed to be two weeks. It turned into four weeks, and four weeks turned into six. And pretty soon, it was all through the summer, and then he came and got it, and we hated him forever. But anyway... <laughs> Here we had this moped, and I mean, it was beautiful. It was red, sharp looking, and it would rev up. Boy, we, I'd pretend it was a motorcycle, and I'd get on that thing, and you'd start pedaling if you wanted, but you didn't have to. It would go about 25, 35 miles an hour in that time, and I remember flying down to the park. I'd ride around the park, you know, and I'd ride around girls and all kind of guys, and I just thought I was the, you know, I was the man. I mean, I was BMOC, big man on campus. <clears throat> and, you know, and I, I'd be, they'd be like, wow, can I ride it, man? Nope, nope, can't ride it. Nope, it's not mine, it's my uncle's. Can't, can't lend it out, can't let anybody ride it. No, nah, no, nah, he'd kill me, he'd take it away from me. No way. Boy, they'd just sit and admire it. I'd, you know, I mean, it was just the best. I mean, I was feeling it, you know, and it was awesome. I'd show it off, show it off. It was that valuable to me, it was that important to me. It was that cool, you know, I just loved it. You know, that's exactly how it ought to be with the Lord, you know. I mean, think about what he's done for us. And think about how wonderful he's been and, 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 and how sharp the Lord Jesus Christ is and how awesome he is and, and how magnificent he is. And, you know, he ought to be someone we want to show off. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that there are times that I don't show him off like I ought to. I do. I, I get convicted about that. I think to myself, here he is. I, I lean on him. I depend on him. I pray to him. I ask him to meet my needs. I beg him to intercede on my behalf in certain situations. And I ask him to intercede on behalf of others that I'm praying for. And but then when it comes time to show him off, it goes time to go into the public eye, time to, to take him out before the world. I, I have a tendency to tuck him in my pocket and kind of carry him around secretly if I'm not careful. 
I kind of go through my daily chores and my daily business. And you say, yeah, but you're a preacher. Your daily business is the Lord. I know, but I have to do things like fill up gas tanks and I have to to go to stores and I have to make phone calls and take care of business and do situations and deal with business and, and bankers and all kind of stuff like that. And sometimes if I'm not careful, he's the last thing on my lips and he's the last thing I show in my life. I'm taking care of business. I got things to do. And in all reality, I ought to be showing them off. Many years ago, <clears throat> there were some men panning for gold in Montana. That's a pretty good name, Montana. They were panning for gold in Montana. One of them found an unusual stone. And breaking it open, and they were excited to see that it contained gold. I mean, it had gold in it. And so they began to work very eagerly, and they soon discovered that there was a, a number of stones with this precious metal in them. They began to just get so excited, and they got fired up. They began shouting with delight, yes, we struck gold. We finally found it, yes. They had to interrupt their celebration, of course, to, to you know, go to a nearby town and stock up on some supplies. And so they made a pat amongst each other, and they said, listen, nobody breathes a word about this. And they all agreed. They said, sure, absolutely. Nobody's going to say anything. We don't want anybody to know that we've struck gold. Anybody to know we found true treasure here. So they made their way to that particular town. And much to their dismay, when they were about to return, hundreds of men, hundreds of men began to follow them out of town. And they're like, great. They looked around at each other and said, all right. Who squealed? Who spilled the beans? Who told him about our gold? The reply came back, no one had to. Your faces showed it. It was all over your faces that you had found something. Your countenance couldn't conceal your excitement. And you know, let's face it, I'm convinced, and you probably are as well, and you've been there before, if not there now, that when we really get close to God, we can't help but reflect the love and the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't hide it. It's kind of like Moses coming down off the mount. When you've met with Jesus Christ, when you've truly been in His presence, there's something unique. The glory of God has the tendency to shine in your life and on your face and your countenance even. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How important is it that we meet with the Lord every day, consistently? I'm a big fan of meeting with the Lord early because I believe that it's important to carry Him through the day. I think that the brightest that Moses' face had to appear was as the closest that he was to Christ. So, like, as soon as he left the presence of the Lord, that's when his face shone the brightest, the Bible says. The longer he waited and moved away from that experience, the less his face shined until once again he met with God in the mount and then it shined again with great brightness, so much so that they covered his face in a veil. And I think and believe myself that, that it's important that, that every day I meet with God early because it's right after I meet with him that I probably shine the most. Show him off. 
show him off. That's what we could do with him. Are you proud to be a child of God? Amen. Are you proud of the Savior? And there's nobody we ought to be more proud of. I heard it said that a good witness is like a signpost. It doesn't matter whether it's old, whether it's young, pretty, or ugly even. It has to point the right direction and be able to be understood, though. We are witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ and His goodness in our life. We need to point to Him. Isaiah 45, 22 says, Look unto me, and be you saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. <clears throat> that's the God we have. And that's the God we ought to show off. And finally, finally, what will you do with the Lord? We know that 11 of them went on to do great things on behalf of Jesus Christ. But one betrayed Him. I mean, will you, will you find yourself taking Him for granted, hiding Him, losing Him? Or will you show Him off? And finally, will you cherish Him? How precious is the Lord to you today, tonight? How precious is He? How special is He to you? How special is He to me? I still remember my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother, Thomas, was on my dad's side. She was like, I don't know, 33% Indian or something like that. She, I guess, had a pretty good temper. You'd never know that by her daughter, my grandma. She was so calm and quiet, peaceful. If you knew my grandma, you'd know I'm lying like crazy right now. <coughs> she, was, she was something else, buddy. <coughs> but my great-grandmother, she was a school teacher, and... Um, she remembered things from way back. I mean, she was born back in the 1800s, and I still remember we'd sit on the back porch and she would begin to tell us stories. I loved hearing stories. Even when I was a kid, I loved hearing stories about the old days. And let's face it, the 1800s were pretty old days for all of us in here. <clears throat> but my great-grandma, she had a bookmark that was from the 1800s. It was like her mother's. Or maybe your grandmother's. I can't remember now. It's so long ago. But she gave that bookmark to my brother. And my brother took that bookmark and he put it in a, a picture frame. And he would display that bookmark that was an antique. It was, I mean, back in the mid-1800s, if I'm not mistaken, or late-18s. And then I would look at that and I'd think, man, I wish she'd gave me that thing. Man, I wish I had that. That thing was cool. She didn't give it to me. She gave it to him. He loved that thing. He displayed that in a frame. He would pull it out every time one of his buddies, hey, look at this thing. You want to talk about something that's old? Check this out. I mean, he cherished that thing. You know, that's what we and how we ought to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we ought to cherish Him. I mean, we ought to take this book, the Word of God, which is Christ in written word, and we ought to cherish it and hold it close. Listen, I'm not a fan of putting things on top of the Bible. I don't like putting things on top of the Bible. I cherish the book. Why? It, it's so important. It's Jesus Christ in the written word. I mean, here He is. 
I don't want to just throw it off to the side. I don't want to toss it around. Now, if it's for an illustration or something, I understand it's a book. I realize that, that within its pages, however, are the Word of God. But there's something special, something unique, something very different about this book than any other book. There's something different about Jesus Christ than any other person. We ought to cherish him. We talk about cherishing our wives. And then we ought to treat them with respect and we ought to love them and we ought to do for them and meet their needs and provide for them and protect them. And and, in doing so, we can cherish them and lift them and elevate them. And we ought to do that with the Lord even more so. There is no one that has done for us what he has done. What will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? My dad used to always say, talk's cheap. Talk's cheap. Anybody can say what they're going to do. It's a different thing for them to do what they're going to do. To do what they say and to follow through. It didn't matter in the day what you said you'd accomplish or the potential you had. What mattered is what you did. Today, we don't like to think like that. Today, we want to give people accolades and exalt them for what they could have been and tell them how wonderful they are even though they've never arrived there yet. These young men, zero, if they don't do something with it. You know, we we can say all day that I'm going to show Jesus off. I'm going to cherish the Lord. But if you take him for granted... If you hide him or if you lose him, it doesn't matter how often you say, I want to cherish him. I want to show him off. It means nothing. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Let's be careful to show the Lord Jesus off. He's worthy of that. Let's be careful to cherish him. When we consider the 12 that we read about early on, the Bible says, as it comes to a conclusion in verse 19, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. Can you imagine being the betrayer? I can't. I, I, I don't even want to think about it. But we need to cherish the Lord and show him off every chance we get. And let's follow through like those 11 did. Let's not be like the Judas of the Bible. Let's be like one of the 11 and remain faithful. And God will bless us for it. What will you do with the Lord tonight? Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for the...